Welcome back to Half the Battle. I'm your host, as always, Daniel Levy, your co-host, Shaq. We're going to be talking UFC Mexico City, Sergio Pettis versus Brandon Moreno. Man, Sergio and Brandon finally got a main event slot this weekend. Yeah, in terms of the flyweight division, the winner of this fight has to be one or two more wins away from a title shot. And uh, we got the the Mexican, the pride of Mexico versus Sergio, the point-fighting king. And uh, we're going to see what happens. We're going to find out who really is the king of Mexico because I guarantee you they're going to get behind Pettis if he goes out there and wins. But if Moreno does, the roof is going to blow off that place, man, because Moreno, I mean, a year ago we were joking around. I mean, this is the dude that beat, you know, the one-legged man. Then he goes out there and ends Luis Smolka's win streak, chokes him unconscious, puts up two other big wins. Now he's fighting Sergio in the main event. Yeah, and um, I'm really high on Sergio, and um, I think Moreno's a very good fighter, man. I think uh, he's got the potential to be, you know, a superstar in this sport if he can get this win. So uh, we're going to see if he does it. Indeed. We're going to get down to business here in a second. But, man, we got to address last week because, you know, certain L's, you take them on the chin. Certain wins, you know, you put them behind you. But then there's those L's that sting, and they dig deep. And last week was one of those, man, because Renato Moicano was doing exactly what we wanted him to do against T-City. He's picking him apart, popping his head back. We're screaming, Iso Moicano, <laughs> Boa Moicano. And then he dives headfirst into a guillotine like Justin Scoggins. And uh, it was devastating. Yeah, it was a tough loss to get uh, past. I mean, when it happened, I was completely mortified. I just couldn't believe it. The fact that, you know... In my opinion, I thought we won the first round, but, you know, the judges gave it to Ortega, which I had no problem with. But the second, you know, we got that for sure. And then the third, two minutes left, we were clearly ahead winning that fight. And, you know, I could almost taste the three units hitting my account. And uh, he decided to shoot for a guillotine. You know, I don't know shoot why. A takedown, my bad. And, uh, you know, or, and you don't shoot on Ortega in the third round. And, you know, we said before the fight, the only advantage Ortega has is that submission ability and it's generally in that third round and it happened you know what i'm saying but i'm over it we move on we face defeat like three-time world champions and uh props to ortega man he keeps finding a way to pull off these third round uh comebacks so props to him man it's just one of those things where it's like so who's gonna be the guy to hand him his first loss because i thought we had the perfect opponent to do so yeah man you know in my opinion nine times nine times out of ten we win that fight but we didn't win it when it mattered, so and we don't get ten uh, exactly, times. Exactly, and we don't get ten times. We lost it when it mattered, and you know we we move on. But uh, who gives Ortega that first loss? Man, it's it's a tough one. You know, I could see him fighting a guy like Lamas next or Elkins. So uh, maybe those guys. Man, from now on though, we got to bet that third round Ortega prop every single time, <laughs> right? Even as a hedge. Yeah. I mean, what he's what he what he's been doing lately, man, it's just crazy. He's he's arguably losing to Clay, Clay Guida, even though I had to run round run one round apiece. He pulls off a KO in the third round. Tiago Tavares, he pulls it off. Diego Brandao. I mean, and now Moicano. It's just like wow. Yeah, props to Ortega. That's all I can say. His jujitsu is <laughs> beyond legit, and uh, man, he did it. And then I had. In a parlay with Moicano, obviously it didn't matter because Moicano lost, but I had T. Wood, and you know he put on a really clean performance. Now, you and I have different perspectives on this fight because you know since I had money on it, to me it was like masterful. It was like, yes, you know, 24 of 24 takedowns denied. To you, who didn't have money on it, you were like, bro, this is the worst <laughs> fight I've ever seen. <laughs> hey, and look, I'm a fan of point fighting. I can watch guys grind on the mat all day long, you know. 
like you said, I have a different perspective perspective on the fight because I didn't have money, but rarely do I ever say fights are shit or boring because I enjoy all types of styles of fights. And I'm not going to lie, man. That fight put me to sleep. I turned my back on the fight. You saw me on the computer here. Like, I could not watch the fight put me to sleep. I don't think T was a boring fighter. I just think it was more so the matchup. And more so, we have to play, blame Damien. But we know we know what type of fighter Damien is. He's a, he's a single-shot fighter. He only has one way to win. But, you know, the fact that T Wood said he did tear his shoulder, maybe that's the fact. But... I just never want to see that fight again. I don't think T Woods a boring fighter. It was just that matchup, but that was probably the worst fight I've ever seen. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I understand where you're coming from, but for me, it was kind of like you know, after I bet on George and George gets backpacked by Maya, when I see T Wood go out there and stuff every single takedown, I was like, yes, Tyron. Well, see, my thing is George Masvidal. He he's got good wrestling, good MMA wrestling, but T Woods the division one Big Twelve champion, way stronger, way bigger physically, and just has more physicality to him. And I feel like if Damian got as deep as he could, which he did get deep as fuck on a couple of those, ain't no way T Woods stuffing that easy with a torn labrum. I felt like maybe the shoulder thing really did you know hinder him. I felt like he could have let loose more, but he got the win. Props to him. He's still the champion. It sucks that you know. The way the boss viewed that, and now he's probably a free TV fighter now. But, you know, it is what it is. You know, um, maybe his next fight, he's got to change that. He's got to, you know, let loose more, and uh, maybe he can go back to being the greatest welterweight of all time. <laughs> I mean, I really do think that T. Wood has star potential, man. I mean, w let's not just talk about the fact that he went 50 minutes, 5-0 minutes with Stephen Wonderboy Thompson and didn't get rocked once, went 25 minutes with Damian Maia, didn't get taken down once. Now, everyone wants to talk about who he should fight next, and I see a lot of people saying Robbie Lawler. Now, Shaq, you and I were in attendance, uh, UFC 201, when Robbie and T. Wood fought, and, you know, Phillips Arena went silent when that big overhand right hit Robbie Lawler. I don't yeah. think we want to see that again. I personally don't even think Robbie Lawler wants that again. No, man. No, who wants to see that fight? Like, what has Robbie done in the last year? Like T. Wood said, I mean, he, he scraped out a decision against Cerrone, and the guy who we want to get a title shot knocked out Cerrone two times in one fight. I think it's time for George Masvidal to get that title fight. I know he's coming off a loss to Damian Maya, but let's be honest here. Damian didn't do shit in that fight besides hold on. And, you know, he won the fight props to him, but I felt like it could have gone either way. I felt like in every single stand-up situation, George was fucking him up. And, you know, Damian would just, you know, backride him. And, you know, it is what it is. Damian got the win. But I want to see George go in there, fight his teammate of some sorts, and, you know, get that new get that new title fight feeling, man. I, I don't want to see Robbie get the title shot. You know, who else is there? Wonder Boy doesn't deserve it. And I hear people saying, uh, RDA or Magni, give Are me you a fucking come break. On, come like, on. Come on, bro. Like, a win over Tarek doesn't warrant a title shot. Magni, like, out of all the top ten guys in the division, I think it, I man. think I think you're the most vulnerable one and to be honest. And I honestly think RDA can win that fight. So and if any Against if, Magni, you mean. Yes, yes. And and uh if anyone besides Masvidal, how about Santiago Ponzanibio, man? That's a good fight. Like, I know Kobe's up there, but Kobe, I think uh, Kobe should fight Damian Maia next, in my opinion. You know, wrestler versus jujitsu. So, I want to see if Kobe can stuff the takedowns like T. Wood did. So, uh, I want to see George get that title fight. It would be a long time coming. He's had a great long career. And I mean, this is a guy who went from fighting in the streets to Japan, South Korea, 
fighting in Sengoku, Bodog, and let's see him, you know, have that uh, career-defining moment against T-Wood. Yeah, either George or Santiago, and I see people being all high and mighty about George getting a title shot just because he's coming off an L, and they don't want to see that. I mean, honestly, who gives a fuck? George St. Pierre got a title shot coming off an L. Anderson Silva got his rematch with Weidman coming off an L. Daniel Cormier fought Anthony Rumble Johnson coming off an L. Like, we see people fight title fights coming Gust- off L's all the time. Gustafsson got his uh, title fight against Cormier coming off a devastating KO loss to Rumble Johnson. So, yeah, like, come on, guys. Like, yeah. we don't want to see Robbie Lawler lose again i mean i love robbie so much i don't want to see a tyrant blast him in the fifth row there's a reason you remember when gustison got that title fight everyone was like wow what the fuck that's so disrespectful to bader like come on bro like this this business is based on pay-per-view numbers it's based on what fans are gonna watch and we know the deal if bader would have got in there against cormier he would have lost and gustison's just a better and more entertaining fight and exactly what they showed and Jorge, you know, I don't want to say he's more entertaining than Robbie Lawler, but I will say that it's a fresh matchup. We so, haven't so, seen it yet. Yeah. Let's fucking see it, man. Yeah, man. I mean, like I said, George has put in the work. Not so many dudes have, uh, well, a lot of dudes have knocked out Cerrone, but <laughs> <laughs> but uh, the way he did it, you know, in his hometown. Less than four. Yeah, exactly. In his hometown, while they were both talking shit, man. So uh, I want to see that fight, man. It's a good fight. Let's hope that. Let's hope it happens. But, man. UFC Mexico. Let's get down to business because we got Jordan Rinaldi. He's minus 235. The comeback on Alvaro Chango Herrera is plus 195. Now, man, we've known about Rinaldi a long time. You know, he's been coming up here in the local scene here in Georgia. Remember when he choked out Clay Harbison? The way he took his back in that second round. When I saw that transition, man, right after the fight, I walked up to Rinaldi and I was like, keep your phone on, man, because you're going to get a call very, very soon. Now, it didn't come as soon as I thought. It took about six months, but he finally got that call. He took on Abel Trujillo. Now, a lot of people hold it against him that he lost to Trujillo, but at the end of the day, Shaq, t- tell me the three people that, that have beat Trujillo. Uh, Khabib, Tony, and Vic. That's it. Yeah. Khabib, Tony, and Vic. So, I mean, I don't really see a problem with Rinaldi dropping a fight to Abel Trujillo, man, especially in his debut. Now with Alvaro, I mean, he's your prototypical Mexican brawler, man. He comes to fight. You watch his UFC debut. He goes out there. He starches his opponent in about 20 seconds. It was unbelievable. But then they put him in there with Vicente Luque, which was a little bit too much too soon. <laughs> and uh, we saw what happened there. But now he's fighting in Mexico. And I know that, you know, I, I speak with Jordan's brother all the time, and Jordan's been sleeping in an altitude tent for like the last however many weeks. He's been taking this seriously. His diet's on point. I just think his wrestling is going to be the difference here, man. I think that even though Herrera is a very tough Mexican warrior and he will live to fight another day, I think he's going to have an issue with the way that Rinaldi strings his striking to his takedowns and that back take specifically. Another thing, I know that Rinaldi got brutally knocked out by James Muntasri, but let's talk about that fight for a second. So a lot of people don't really know the circumstances of that fight. They've just seen the knockout, and it was devastating. Don't get me wrong, but let's talk about that for a sec. So it's an 155-pound matchup, right? And then fight week comes, and Muntasri is like, hey, man, can we make it in a 160-pound catchweight? And Rinaldi's like, sure, man, no problem. Weigh-ins coming, and uh, so they're supposed to have an 160-pound catchweight. Mutasri comes in at 165, and, you know, the day of the weigh-ins, he's slicking back his hair, and, you know, he gives zero fucks, you know. He's clearly in with the promoter. You know, so he misses weight by, by, you know, 10 pounds for the original weight, 5 pounds for the catchweight. You know, he's obviously juiced out of his mind, and he goes out there and he knocks Rinaldi stiff. But you know what? Rinaldi faced defeat like a champion. He made it to the UFC, 
and now I think he's going to get his first UFC win. Yeah, it's a tough fight. Jordan Rinaldi, you know, he's got very good wrestling, uh, a good solid grinding game, and you know, Alvaro's just more of a a tough Mexican warrior who likes to brawl, and he's got power in his hands. You know, a way Alvaro can win this fight is if he can, you know, work and make Rinaldi work for these takedowns in that Mexico altitude. Rinaldi gets tired, his chin starts getting a little more vulnerable, and then he could possibly knock him out. But I agree with you. I think Rinaldi is just going to be too much in that area. But, you know, and I think, uh, isn't this fight at 170 pounds? I think Rinaldi's moving up in weight, if I'm not mistaken. So he's not fighting at 155. He's going to have more gas in the tank, or he should have more gas in the tank. But the only way I see Alvaro winning this is in a, a war. But I think if Rinaldi sticks to him like glue. That's at lightweight. Oh, it's at lightweight. So Alvaro's actually making a drop down. So, yeah, I'm going to go with Rinaldi here for the win. I think he's just going to win two rounds by, you know, grinding on, uh, grinding onto him against the fence, getting, you know, brief takedowns, possibly taking his back once. But I do think Alvaro will rock him at some point. It's going to be interesting to see if Rinaldi uh, can survive. And, man, this is a really good fight because we got Jose Teco Quinones. He's minus 230. The comeback on Diego Rivas is plus 190. Now, you and I both know for a fact that these two are going to scrap. Who you got, man? It's a very tough fight. You know, to be honest, when before the fight, before the line came out, I did have Canonas, and I was hoping it, it was going to be the dog, but I do not agree with the minus 230, man. I think I think it's outrageous, to be honest. I think it should be minus, it should be even or slightly Canonas is an underdog or either guy is an underdog. You know, Canonas, he's been making very good improvements. He's training with guys like Dominic Cruz, Darian Caldwell, Eric Goyito Perez, and at his uh, home gym in Mexico. And he's from Mexico, so you know he's going to be, you know, used to this, uh, to the altitude. But Diego Rivas, man, he trains at that Team Oyama camp now. And fading Team Oyama fighters can be detrimental to you, man. Those guys are on the road. Cheeto Vera, uh, Carla Esparza, Brent Primus, uh, Joe Soto. So... Those guys, and uh, shout out to uh, a lot of their, um, their what's their man, uh, Iridium. You know, yeah, yeah. they they're good. Jason uh, House, Jason shout House, out. they're good. Uh, they're good. Uh, fans of the show, they give us retweets and whatnot. So, shout out to them. But as far as the fight goes, I think it's going to be a complete war. I don't agree with the line. I think Kinones is making solid improvements. He used to be a wild, all over the place, sloppy fighter. With who's exciting, but now you know he's calmed down a bit. You know, Eric Del Fierro put that point fighting in him so now he can fight more calm he can throw the left kick he can jab throw the straight left and uh Rivas it's I really don't know too much about him I know he landed that solid uh knee that KO Lahat stiff by the way one of the best knockouts you'll ever see but it's hard to see and he hasn't fought since so just due to the layoff I'm gonna go with Quinones but I don't agree with the line and I don't blame anyone for taking that shot on Rivas just due to the fact that Quinones got dropped by Joey Gomez. Quinones, he's all over the place. He might run into, he might, if it gets into a war, he might go resort back to his old tendencies and, you know, start brawling. And then at that point, it's anyone's fight. I need someone to explain this to me. So, you know, the Odds Breaker article comes out and they have Jose Quinones listed at plus 100, right? And then, you know, you, I refresh on, uh, you know, the website that has the odds. I'm not going to I'm not going to name them because they don't sponsor us, but I keep refreshing, and I wait for the odds to drop. The first odd that drops for Canona is, is minus 175. So I want to know how it went from plus 100 in their article to minus 175 
on the actual opener. Now, now someone's going to be like, oh, a lot of money came in on him. Look, no, th this wasn't a case where a lot of money came in on him. The actual opening odd on uh, on the sports book was minus 175, but in the article was plus 100. As far as this matchup is concerned, I love the improvements that Jose Canones has been making, man. Like you said, he went from being you know, a prototypical Mexican brawler to now he's a brawler that has a little bit of point fighting in him. He's got that footwork. I mean, I'm not going to say like Dominic Cruz, but I will say he's been putting in work with Dominic Cruz, and you can totally tell, man. You know, I actually, uh, I've been on him in two of his UFC fights, maybe three actually. I've been on him against Alejandro. I thought we won that, man. He lost the, he lost the point, so I understand that he, he, he did some illegal shit. He got he got too carried away and got wild, you know. And Alejandro's a smart little weasel. Alejandro can weasel these decisions. Yeah, so. he really can, man. Yeah, so. Um, so I was kind of disappointed about that. But then I bet him against uh, Leonardo Morales, and that, that cashed. And then I forget if I bet him against Joey Gomez or not, but I definitely picked him there. So I do feel like I have a good uh, feel for Jose Quinones, man, and he's improving every single fight. And you know he's going to go out there and fight for your money. That That's 100%. He's going to fight. <laughs> that's for sure. With Rivas, man, Gabriel Benitez whooped his ass on tough real bad. Real bad. But you know what, man? He came back in that debut. I mean, that UFC debut against uh, Rodolfo Rubio. You know, he gave him a tour of the octagon for three rounds. But then, when he went out there against Neo Laha, he didn't just KO him stiff. He sent them to another organization, man. And, I mean, that flying knee, the timing of it, it wasn't an accident. It wasn't like he was just, you know, getting out, you know, grinded out for a round and a half. Then he decided to close his eyes and throw a lucky flying knee. He timed it with, you know, he set it up with the fans. And when he, you know, sensed that Lahat was going to go for a level change, that's when he timed that beautiful flying knee and KO'd him stiff. So, the thing with this fight is I understand why Jose is favored, but I don't understand why he's favored so much. Actually, I do, because he beat the fuck out of Joey... Uh, Gomez's last fight the thing with that is Joey Gomez quit after two minutes you know he, he saw that man Teco's a tough guy and he's not going to go away easily so you know Joey Gomez mentally checked out which he is known for he, he did that in the Rob Font fight as well I mean the liver shot might have helped too but Joey Gomez <laughs> <laughs> Joey Gomez is known for uh, checking out in the middle of fights, which is what he did in the Jose Quinones fight. I don't think that Diego Rivas is going to check out if he starts getting his ass whipped. I think he's going to hang in there like a man, like the warrior that he is, man. And I think that, you know, Teco might beat on him for a round and a half. But then when it comes down to, you know, both of them being tired, it's time to throw down. It could be a 50-50 fight, man. So at minus 230... I don't think anyone should be parlaying dog it. Dog or pass. It's dog or pass at this point. And you know what, man? I'm, I'm going to say dog. Even though even though I was thinking Teco all week, man, it's just that when I watch that Gomez fight and I watch the way that, you know, Gomez quit on himself. I don't think Diego's going to quit on himself. Like, I think Diego's going to be there fighting him, man. So I see it being a 50-50 fight between two true warriors. So I'll go with the plus 190 dog. I'll pass from a betting perspective because, you know, I was leading Teco for a, for a reason, man, but. I'll pick Diego and see what happens. This one's really interesting. Ronnie Yaya. He's minus 160. The comeback on Henry Briones is plus 140. Now, Shaq, I feel like the only reason it's minus 160 and not minus 260 is because it's in Mexico City. Yeah, you're probably right. You know, Hani, single-shot fighter, take down, take your back, hold on. And on Hani's given day, Hani can compete with the best. I mean, he beat Matthew Lopez. He's got wins over Eddie Wineland, uh, Mike Brown. Mike Brown. I mean, the guy on his given day, when he shows up, can beat a lot of guys. 
the thing in with this fight is it's in Mexico. We know what Hani's deal is. He likes to win those first two rounds and then hold on for dear life in that third and start flopping to his back and start being a little Brazilian weasel, you know. And Henry Briones, his last fight, what can I say? I mean, the guy showed up fat as hell right off the couch. And, you know, he paid the price for it. You know, he got spinning back fist KO'd. And, and Briones, his deal before that, I mean... The guy pulls out of a lot of fights. I mean, they tried to book him and uh, Brad Pickett like three or four times. He couldn't make the fight. Ten or eleven times. Yeah, like, and before that, the layoff in between the Garbrandt and this fight was like, what, two years? So, I mean, this guy ain't been very active. I'm going to go with Hani here. I think, you know, he does what he always does. I think he takes his back, uh, stays on top for the first two rounds, and then the third round is going to get real serious. I think Briones will have a little late rally, but it won't be. It'll be a little bit too late, and I think Connie's going to win a split decision in Mexico. You know what Henry Briones and Dominic Cruz have in common? Uh, no. They're the only men in MMA history to go to the full distance with the champ Cody Garbrandt. Oh wow! <laughs> <laughs> but as far as this matchup is concerned. Like I said earlier, the only reason Ronnie Aya is minus 160 and not minus 260 is because of the Mexico City elevation. I mean, this is a guy that gasses out every single fight anyways. Now you put him in that Mexico City altitude. I mean, we're talking... Worse than Colorado. Like, this is serious than, shit, bro. Worse than Utah. Yeah. Worse than everything, man. And, uh, you know, honey, you better pull guard and sweep in that first round because he's going to be gasping for air. I kind of want to know what kind of shape uh, Henry's in, man, because last time, last fight he looked like he was pregnant. You yeah, know what I'm saying, man? Fat. And uh, he got spinning back fist against the guy that – he got spinning back fist against the guy. Two-year layoff, man. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So – and he was in Mexico. You, you know you can take those – fucking Flintstone vitamins over the counter there, bro. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. You can do all kinds of shit in Mexico. It's legal. So I don't know what, what kind of shape uh, Henry's coming in here, man. I got to assume that Haniaya is going to pull guard, sweep, mounted triangle, second round finish. So I'm going to go with Haniaya. But don't don't be surprised if Haniaya dominates him the first two rounds and then completely gasses in the oh, third <laughs> and, and gets pounded out because that's a total possibility. But, uh, you know, I'm going to go with Hani, but we'll see what happens. Now this one, this one is going to be interesting, man, because we got Dustin Ortiz. He's minus two forty, minus two forty. He's not. He's not minus one forty. He's minus two forty. And the comeback on Hector Sandoval is plus two hundred. What do you think? In my opinion, this is the biggest mistake on this card. In my opinion, it should be even. I mean, Ortiz is. What's he done? I mean, he beat Justin Scoggins in a close decision. He beat Ray Borg. Close decision. He beat Makovsky. Close decision. And he's minus 240, and we know he's going to fight close. Dustin Ortiz doesn't dominate anybody besides Willie Gates, you know, who doesn't belong in the UFC. And Willie Gates beat... Hector, but we'll talk about that in a second. <laughs> but you know what I'm saying? Hector, Hector's a different fighter now, training at Team Alpha Male, and Hector is one of the most, uh, what's the word I'm looking for, powerful flyweights that we have right now. This guy is all muscle, and that could be a good thing, and it can be a bad thing, because we know Ortiz likes to scramble, and if Hector tries to just muscle his way out of shit, like how he did against Schnell or Serrano, he might gas out, and Ortiz, with the better technique, might you know, out-scramble him, but 
To say Ortiz is a good scrambler, yes, but he's that back-and-forth type of scrambler. He's that guy that he'll get on top of you, and then he'll reverse you, and he'll just take turns going back and forth. And, you know, if he wins, he'll win a split. But if he loses, he'll be, well, uh, Formiga won unanimous. Yeah, all, Wilson Hayes won unanimous. So he can be dominated, but those dudes are better. Moreno won a little bit more than yeah. unanimous. <laughs> and, you know, I've been, I was high on Hector Sandoval when he made his UFC, UFC debut in Atlanta. I actually bet on him to uh, – Beat Wilson Hayes, you know, it was a stupid bet. But, you know, the way Wilson was looking at the time, you know, I just thought Hector could land a big power shot watching his local fights. That's because yeah. Eric told us a little something. <laughs> well, yeah, Eric, uh, we talked to Eric Del Fierro the day before, and, you know, uh, he said that Wilson Hayes was cutting a lot of weight. So I was thinking uh, Sandoval could catch him on that chin. And in terms of power strikers, Hector Sandoval is right up there at flyweight. I mean, this dude is stocky, man. Everything he throws is heat. Although it is basic, he does load up on a lot of his shots. I think it's going to be enough to beat Ortiz on the feet. The only issue is what happens when they hit the mat, and hopefully his physical strength can neutralize some of Ortiz's uh, scrambling abilities. But I'm going to take Hector at plus 200, man. You know, if all my money wasn't on surge, I'd probably bet that. I just think the line's off against a guy who we know is going to fight close. It kind of reminds me of... Uh, Lauren Murphy versus Caitlin Chukagian. You know, Chukagian was making that debut, and I think she was like plus 175. And I basically blind betted it in the fact that Lauren Murphy fights close in every single one of her fights. And I was like, man, if this chick can just fight close, maybe we can win it. So, you know, and it won. So obviously, Hector is a lot better than uh, uh, Chukagian, but. I'm going to take Hector in here by uh, unanimous action, man. I think he's going to lose a round. I think he might lose the third round, but I think the uh, first two is just going to land the bigger power shots, stuff the takedowns, and uh, possibly even get the better of the grappling. We'll see. I know on paper Dustin Ortiz beat Ray Borg and Justin Scoggins, but I mean, that was like 10 years ago, man. You know, you know, well, Borg was like 20 years old. So I'm Borg like, was like 19, bro. You know what's funny about that fight is that so you know he, he beat Scoggins and Borg, you know, a million years ago, and then you see him, you know, go out there and fight Willie Gates. This is like in 2015. You know, it says notable wins Borg and Scoggins. Then he goes out there and fights Formiga. Notable wins Borg and Scoggins loses that fight. Then he fights Wilson Hayes. Notable wins, Borg and Scoggins. So, I mean, his notable wins have been Borg and Scoggins for the last century. You know what I'm fucking saying, man? So it's like, how many times are we going to bring up those wins, man? It's it's old news already. There's no... He might beat Scoggins again nowadays because we know Scoggins has the IQ of, you know what I'm fucking saying? I'll tell you what, I'll tell you who he won't be. He won't beat Scoggins' brother, though. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Scoggins' little bro is no slouch. <laughs> yeah, the people don't know about Jared Scoggins yet. They will soon, but... uh. I guarantee you he ain't beating Ray Borg in 2017. Yeah. But look, man, Dustin Ortiz is he's a journeyman. And I mean that as actually as a compliment because he used to be, you know, one of the top contenders at that weight class. I, I, you know, yeah, when, I, when, I say, when I say that's top contender, you know, that is <laughs> a, a tough guy. What, I'm, what I mean is that, like, for example, in his prime, you know, even though he clearly lost to Joe B, he went blood and guts with him. You know what I'm saying? He got bloody, but he didn't oh, yeah. quit. Yeah, he didn't you know, quit. he, he, he gave it everything he had, and that was like that might that might have taken a lot out of him. That might have been Dustin Ortiz's swan song. You know what I'm saying, man? So, and then you know, after the Wilson Hayes fight, where she got completely manhandled in a Wilson way, dominated. <laughs> you know, he might have had to take Plan B after that fight. You know what I'm saying, man? But uh, you know, after that, he left Duke Rufus, and you know, I don't think he's been the same. But I, I don't think he's necessarily declined that much, but he certainly hasn't improved. And that's that's for sure. And with Hector Sandoval, I mean, 
UFC debut on short notice against Wilson Hayes. You got to understand, Wilson Hayes was training to fight Demetrius Mighty Mouse Johnson. You know what I'm saying? He was in title fight shape, and he took on a short notice replacement in Sandoval. Well, Sandoval goes out there against Freddie Serrano, who is an Olympic wrestler, and he fucking took him down a couple times. And then he obviously knocked out Matt Schnell, who you know is a little bit chinny, but he still he still knocked him out. That was pretty cool. I want to talk about the Willie Gates versus Sandoval fight because I know Dustin Ortiz finished. Uh, Willie Gates and Willie Gates finished Sandoval but look man Dustin Ortiz went there and grinded out Willie Gates and finished him on the mat whereas Sandoval he's five foot two he tried to stand and bang with five foot eight uh, Willie Gates and you know obviously the smarter guy won which was Dustin Ortiz but hey Sandoval tried to go out there and fight him like a man so I'll give him credit for that now these two are going to match up I'm not convinced that Dustin Ortiz can grind him out now I know that we've been wrong about team alpha male fighters you know recently i was wrong about taru i don't think this is that case at all because as you saw um hector can out, out grapple olympians i mean that's what he did against serrano right so i think at this point and also he spent two weeks in mexico so he's gotten acclimated to the altitude and i know ortiz didn't at all you know ortiz is just showing up on fight week man and Ortiz ain't at Rufus Sport, like I mentioned. He's training at the home gym in Nashville. You know, he's showing up for a paycheck. Biting from the hand that has fed you. <laughs> I cannot relate to that in any way. <laughs> yeah, you know, if this was a pick on, I'd probably stay away. But seeing that it's plus 200 Sandoval, I'll probably put two units on it. Right now, I haven't done anything, but uh, I'll probably go ahead and put two units on it. So, yeah, Hector, for the, for the victory. Yeah, man. Uh, if Hector wins this, man, he's right up there, too. He really is. Because, you know, Dustin is a, it's a, ga- a, is a gatekeeper. gatekeeper. Yeah, yep. solid gatekeeper. And, man, this one I'm excited about. This is a good showcase fight. We got Jack Hermanson. He's minus 255. And Brad Scott, or as we like to say in Brazil, Brad Scotch, he's plus 215. Is this uh, the showcase I think it's going to be? It's just going to be a solid 30-27 on two cards, 29-28 in favor of the Joker Hermanson. You know, Brad Scott, he does uh, live in Arizona, so he's probably more accustomed to the more elevation, but I don't think it matters here, man. Brad Scott's too slow. He's too stuck in the mud. He's very, he can be countered very easily. He doesn't move his head. The straight shots, the teep, run, circle around. You know, I kill myself for not playing uh, Hermanson minus 140 against that jobber, an idiot, Alex Nicholson. And, you know, now he's minus two fifty five, so you know I'm, you know, so I'm gonna pass. But uh, I think he's gonna get the job done here. I don't think Brad's on his level. Hermanson's uh, one of my point fighters, and hopefully he moves on from this fight and gets somebody else that he can uh, circle around. Man, is Jack Hermanson worth putting in an open parlay here? I honestly think he is, man. I mean, he his chin solid. You know the Cesar fight. He got sub, but Cesar's got world class. First UFC L. Exactly. He had to take that first uh first UFC L and Cesar's just on a different level than Brad Scott on the ground. If Brad Scott gets on top, it's just a basic, you know, on top position. Little baby ground and pound, nothing serious. He's a he's a basic stuck in the mud fighter. Props to him, Brad Scott's stuff is win over Scott ask him was huge for his career. You know, he went in there against Kristoff and you know, Kristoff uh did the did the Jocko on him. You know, danced and got a was it a, was it three three thirty twenty seven on all cards? So yeah, while a lot of you were saying what uh, Brad, <laughs> so uh, I think Hermans is gonna do the same. The Jocko game plan just from orthodox and just circle around him, outstrike him, stuff the takedowns and uh, bloody his face up a little bit and get this thirty twenty seven. Yeah, and I'm actually not worried about the elevation either because you know 
Jack did address the altitude. He went to Mexico two weeks in advance as well, so he's acclimated already. And man, if this was anywhere but but Mexico, I mean, even in, in Mexico, it's gonna go down like this because I mean, look, Jack's got that 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 footwork like Jocko, man. You know what I'm saying? He moves around like Jocko and Brad Scott. Like you said, he's stuck in the mud. He's flat-footed. He plods. He gets hit a lot. His head gets popped back. A lot. And even in the fights that he's winning, he finds a way to lose. Like, you remember that Claudio Silva fight? Yeah. Like, what the fuck was up with that? <laughs> you know what I mean? I think I might have even bet him there. That was a long-ass time ago. Now, as far as this one's concerned, man, I think that Jack Hermanson's going to run circles around him. He's going to pop the jab. He's going to head kick him. Maybe even mix in takedowns. I just think he's going to find a way to win. And he's the more sound, more seasoned, more well-rounded fighter. And he's minus 255 for a reason. Yeah. Jack all day. Man, I'm ready for a brawl here because we got Alejandro Perez taking on Andre Sukumtut. And Perez is minus 120. The comeback on Sukumtut is plus 100, man. You ready for a brawl? Yeah, and uh, speaking of Alejandro Perez, you know, like I said early in the show, he's an expert at, you know, weaseling decisions out. But the more I looked into it, and, well, mainly due to the Albert Morales fight, I lost a lot of, not respect for Alejandro, but... I I definitely rated him uh, higher than what he was. You know, I thought he was a lot better than that. But when I watched that fight, I totally scored it for Albert Morales, two rounds to one. And the thing was that, you know, when Albert's fighting guys like Ian Entwistle, who is a leg lock or bust, or Scott Jorgensen, who's on his way out, and, you know, he's got him on one leg and he still can't finish him. Those are the type of fights that he shines. And not to mention the guy lost to Patrick Williams. And you know, in ten seconds. <laughs> and you know, in that Albert Morales fight, I mean, every time Albert moved forward and touched him up, I mean, the faces in the just the demeanor Alejandro had was just not good, in my opinion, man. So I think now that he's fighting a better striker, in my opinion, even though Morales beat Sukumtach, but Sukumtach uh, landed some hard body shots on Albert, man. He got real hairy late in that fight, and. uh you know, I felt like uh, if it was five rounds, maybe it would have been an even uh, better fight. But, you know, I think uh, Sukumtach is going to get the win here. I know he didn't go to Mexico early, but I think Alejandro's actually on his way out, man. I think uh, I think his days of weaseling decisions are over. I think when uh, he gets touched here, I think he's going to hit a knee, and I think uh, Andre's going to finish him. You know, people would probably say Alejandro's probably going to take him down like Albert did and, you know, seal off rounds in Mexico, but... But Alejandro isn't the type of guy to be aggressive and move forward. He's gonna sit back. He's gonna he's gonna let you come to him. And uh, I just think uh, Andre's gonna move forward here. If it goes to three rounds, I think he's gonna be the aggressor. If Alejandro wants to move forward, I think Andre can uh, counter strike him. Training at Combat Club with Des Green and the Goat Ozdemir and uh, and uh, Robbie Lawler and Michael Johnson, even though he's Usman, um, you know, Danny Hot Chocolate, and, you know, Alejandro's training at AKA, but I think he's on his way out, and I think we're going to find out, find out on uh, Saturday. So, as soon as I saw the odds for this fight, I texted Albert Morales. I was like, look, man, you beat both of these guys. Who you got, Andre or Alejandro? And he called me right away. He's like, He called me passionately. He's like, dude, Andre all day. He's got way more weapons than Alejandro. And, uh, I kind of agree with Albert there, man, because, well, first of all, for everyone listening, type in uh, Andre Sukumtut flying knee 
on YouTube, and you'll see that KO he had of Cody Norby on the regional scene. Holy shit, man. The kid's athletic. And also, when he was stuffing a lot of those takedowns in the in his UFC debut, I like that long, wide base that he has. There's going to be a size difference here. And the reason people aren't talking about it is because, you know, Albert Morales is also a really big bantamweight. So when him and Sukumtut fought, you know, they're about the same size. But Sukumtut is going to tower over Alejandro. Not that the shorter guy can't win because the shorter guy wins a lot. But I think in this fight where Andre's style is based off using his range and, you know, setting up that jab so he can, you know, use big strikes like his knee and the big kicks, I think the size will actually come into play here. The issue is that, Andre was a little bit cocky about the altitude, and I heard some interviews with him saying that, you know, that it's a mental weakness. You know, he's basically talking about how, you know, the dudes that put a lot of emphasis into that are mentally weak, and I'm like, dude, I, I think you're mistaken, my friend, you know what I'm saying? Because I don't think it's a matter. I mean, you telling me Cain Velasquez is mentally weak, you know what I'm fucking <laughs> saying, bro? So I think he's underestimating the altitude, the elevation big time, and if this was in Vegas, I would pick Andre Sukumtut here to knock out Perez. But since since Andre is being so cocky about it, man, I'm, I'm actually going to say that uh, Alejandro weasels his way to another decision. <laughs> I think it's going to be a draw on one scorecard. <laughs> it's going to be 29-28 on the other two. I think it's going to be a majority decision for Alejandro Perez. But don't be surprised if Sukumtut knocks him out, man, because like I said, that flying knee he had on Cody Norby and, uh, you know, it was like 10 body shots he landed in a row against uh, Albert. Sukumtut's no slouch, man, but I just couldn't believe that interview I heard with him where he, you know, he's saying that, you know, if I get there three days before the fight, you know, I'm not even going to have time to think about the altitude. That's the wrong mindset, my man, you know what I mean? So I got Alejandro, but Sukumtut is the better fighter, so I'm going to stay away from a bet. Now, Shaq. How the times have changed, my man, because right now Sam Alvey's minus 150 and Sugar Rashad Evans is plus 130. A couple years ago, we would have been looking at a minus 330 for Rashad. Yeah, in terms of this fight, we know what Alvey's deal is. He likes to stand there, look at you, looking to land that counter left hand. And Rashad, what can I say, man? The guy, he's he's on his way out, but... If there was ever going to be a fight that Rashad gets, it's this one. And let me tell you why. Alvi is a very easy guy to game plan for. We know he's going to stand right up in front of you, only throw punches, and stand right at you. And Rashad, you know, he's training with Mark Henry now. He's living in Frankie Edgar's parents' basement right now in New Jersey. And I think Mark Henry can just impl uh, you know, implement that game plan and him kick and get out the way, man. You know, clinch him up against the fence, kill that clock. Rashad went to Mexico three weeks early. Rashad's uh, ready for this altitude. And, you know, Alvi, a guy relying on straight power punches, he's he can find uh, fall behind on those scorecards a lot just with volume. And I think that's what's going to happen here. Out of any of the favorites besides Ortiz, man, I think Alvi's the, the, uh, the next vulnerable one just due to the style. It's a, All you have to do is kick, run, and get out the way of the left hand, which is if Rashad gets touched with the left hand and he goes down, then, hey, you know, props to Alvi, which it can very well happen. But I think Rashad's going to be turned on for this fight. I don't know how it's going to go in the future, but for this fight, I think he's going to be turned on. And I think he's going to win two rounds and uh, maybe get rocked in one of them. But I think he's going to out-volume him in two rounds, hold him against the fence, get back to using, using that uh, D1 wrestling. And, you know, just uh, edge out a decision here like uh, Talos. You mentioned how Rashad got to Mexico three weeks in advance, right? Yeah. 
You probably should have got to Mexico a year in advance because, I mean, even in Rashad's prime, he would gas out in that third round hard. I mean, we're talking about the fights with Tiago Silva, with Rampage Jackson. In Sugar Rashad's prime, he would gas out in that third round hard. Now, we're dealing with the Mexico City elevation. Now, luckily, he's got an opponent where, I mean, he can do what you said, man. He can go out there and hit and run this guy for three straight rounds the, the game plan to beat sam alvey has been there for years i mean fucking tom watson laid the blueprint you leg kick this guy and run away from him the thing is i'm not sure if sugar if uh, sugar can even do that anymore man because <laughs> we were watching that dan kelly fight he can't even fucking move out the pocket with dan kelly hey much respect to kelly he's my boy i'm just saying that you know prime sugar rashad would have starched dan kelly and prime sugar rashad sticks and moves against uh sam alvey as well but this ain't no prime sugar rashad man this is you said he's on his way out he was on his way out went back <laughs> when he fucking fought noguera a million years ago you know what i'm saying bro like this is a what's the next step past on your way out he'd he, he been on the way out um i just feel like look rashad I'd love to see you kick and run to a decision here because that's the way to beat Sam Alvey. Mix in a takedown, even though it's really hard to take Alvey down. He's got like an 85% takedown defense. Just just hold him against the fence. You don't got to take him down. But the thing is, man, and I know that Alvey's not going to press the issue. He ain't going to press. Which he is known for. He doesn't (laughs) press any issue at all, ever. The game plan is so simple. Hopefully, the only way I see Alvey winning this fight is if he knocks him out, which could happen, but... I think, you know, that Cam Swinch, I think he needed to get out of uh, South Florida, man. I think he possibly had too many distractions, you know. He had a lot of responsibility on, responsibility on his shoulders. And now the fact that, you know, he's back living in someone someone's basement again. Like, it's like starting all over, new team, fresh start. And I think he's going to get it done. I hope Mark Henry can implement that game plan in him. Because, <laughs> I mean, the thing is, I feel like Rashad's too slow at this point that he will get caught with that big left hand. I just hope he doesn't, man, because, you know, I am a fan of Rashad. How can you not love Rashad? I like Sam, too. He's a cool guy. We're, we're, we're cool. But, you know, it's Sugar Rashad here, man. So I hope he goes out there, leg kicks and runs. But I have a bad feeling about it. I, I feel like somewhere along the way he's going to get caught with the left hand and he's going to finally, you know, leave his gloves in the center of the octagon. It's going to be really sad, but the fight game is a very sad sport. I mean, we see this shit all the time. Well, I mean, there was some sad shit that happened last week, too. Uh, Berkman got KO'd. Berkman, stiff, DC. Uh, I DC, mean, yeah. the fight game is, is no joke, you know what I mean? And I don't think it's going to be a happy ending for Rashad, even though this would this is the perfect matchup for him to get a win. And I hope he gets a win. Gut is telling me Sam Alvey by knockout, so we'll see what happens. Now, this one, man, got quite an interesting line because we got Martin Bravo, he's minus 325, and the com- the comeback on the newcomer, Humberto Badene, is plus 265. Now, what do you think, man? Should uh, Martin Bravo be minus 325? No, he shouldn't be uh, minus 325. I watched his fights on Tough, and he's just a basic... Tough little Mexican, man. Uh, he's slow. He's stuck in the mud. He he is aggressive. He will move forward. That body shot that he landed on uh, Puelas was disgusting, so props to him for that. And, you know, Humberto, my thoughts aren't that much better either. I mean, I watch his local fights. Um, solid left kick, but still very choppy on the feet. Leaves his chin up in the air a lot. He's got a good aggressive takedown, you know, against jobbers. We'll see how that uh, works against Martin Bravo. And not to mention, at one point, he got choked out with a forearm to the neck. So, uh, my thoughts on him aren't too high. But at plus 265, and 
I'm not saying that Martin Bravo's a jobber. I just don't think he's that good. I don't think it's that hard to game plan for a guy like him. We know he's going to move forward, but I think uh, he's slow, like sort of like Brad Scott, man. I think he gets hit a lot. I think he can be timed with straight shots down the middle. And where does uh, Humberto train at? Oyama. Oyama, man. Those, those guys are on a roll. And um, I think Humberto can pull this off, man. I, I'm not sold on Martin Bravo. So, you know, I want him to come out here and prove me wrong. So uh, I'm uh, I'm going with Humberto by uh, split decision here. It's going to be interesting, man. You know, I did like Martin Bravo's UFC debut just in the sense that he kept moving forward no matter what happened. And then, he will move forward, yeah. And then that body shot, I was like, oh, man, because, you know, I got you know, a special a special spot special place for that body shot that liver that liver shot and he went out there and put that kid down but now with humberto man humberto's got a nasty left body kick i'll tell you that right now and he's also improved every single fight i've seen him in but at the same time that peruvian regional scene man you remember when uh <laughs> when fedor fought maldonado and they gave fedor a timeout in the middle of the yeah. fight bro there were like timeouts in this peruvian league and yeah. shit like i'm not even talking about rounds ending i'm yeah. saying like they were giving them timeouts and like asking them asking them if they were okay and shit like it wasn't even i was just like damn bro like now you're fighting on the ufc against a guy who you know did his fights on tough already made his ufc debut so i get why the line is where it is but in terms of the actual skill set, I don't think it's that wide. I, I think it's a lot closer than that. Based on the experience, I will pick Martin Bravo, but I would stay very far away. I know people are going to be parlaying him, but uh, I would not be parlaying this minus 325. I, I hope you're right, man. I hope Humberto goes out there, nice body kick, and puts him down, gets one in the win column for t uh, Team Meridium and, and you know Oyama, but uh, I'm gonna go with Martin Bravo just because of the experience. But we'll see. I I've been wrong. I hope this is one I'm wrong on. And man, this one right here, I guarantee you is gonna be action packed because we got Alan Juban. He's minus 155. The comeback on Nico Price is plus 135. Now, Shaq, a lot of people make fun of Alan Juban for being a model, and I'm like, wait, you're making fun of the guy because he's better looking than you and gets more pussy than you? I mean, he's a solid fighter. <laughs> By the way, his fight against Mike Perry was one of the best performances I've ever seen. And, you know, I know it was a three-round decision, and I know there's been a lot more better finishes, but the way he beat Perry. And Perry, mm -hmm. in my opinion, is right up there uh, in terms of top prospects at 170. But the way Juban completely shut down his right-hand offense was just beautiful. Every time he threw that left kick, Perry would just have that, you know, just get discouraged every single time he threw it. And it was so hard. And I think the same thing's going to happen here. Look, these prospects, they generally like to win, the, you know, two, three fights. And then they take that L against a guy like uh, Juban. You know, Juban, okay, yeah, his chin is a little suspect. Not a little suspect. It is, it is suspect. He gets rocked a lot. But, man, if he survives, he's going to come at you like, like a fucking like a savage man he's gonna land that body kick and Jaban trains at black house trains with kenny johnson we know he can stuff those takedowns against the fence and i think nico's really gonna have to be aggressive here you know he did knock out morono but i consider Jaban a step above morono man even though he does have the chin issues Jaban's been in there with way better competition we're talking about a guy who 30 27 mike perry you know what i'm saying so i think uh nico price is gonna take his first l here i think juban's gonna completely shut him down i think nico's too slow if nico catches him props to him but i don't think he can grind him out for three rounds i think juban if the longer this fight goes the more in favor of juban i think uh that left body kick is gonna just diminish nico as uh, as the fight goes on and i think uh juban's gonna give him 
him his first L by uh, late finish. You know, shout out to my boy uh, Jamar Whitehead and his brother Damian Whitehead. They've been telling me about Nico Price for a long time, but uh, I keep it real on the show, and I think Nico Price is about to take his first L, man, because, look, I mean, he's got a puncher's chance because Juban is hella chinny. Very and, I mean, I'm not just talking about, you know, two men off or gunning. I'm talking Bilal. about fucking Seth Blazinski, bro. Bilal. And even in that Seth Blazinski fight where he got dropped, you know, and then in the post-fight interview, he's all like, oh, this is normal. You know, I got to take one or two to wake up. So this dude has been getting dropped since his regional scene days. Matt Dwyer dropped him. Warley Alves dropped him. Almost every single guy, you know, except fucking Brendan O'Reilly, of course. What, ha- what happened in those fights, though? He came back and beat the shit out of him. Oh, yeah. We're going to talk about that. Yeah. The only dude that hasn't dropped him is Brendan O'Reilly. You know what I'm <laughs> saying, bro? But uh, Juban is super chinny. So if Nico can find that chin, he's got to put him out. He has to capitalize. He can't just hurt Juban. It's not enough to hurt Juban. You have to he's put him away. Because you're not going to win a decision against him. I know Worley did. That was a bullshit decision in Brazil. You know, Worley's best friend was judging that fight. You know what I'm saying, man? But in this spot here in Mexico, you know, I don't think that Nico's got any friends in the, you know, as a judge in this fight. I think Nico needs a finish. And look, Nico went out there. He tapped out Brandon Thatch. My my dead grandmother could tap out Brandon Thatch, man. You know what I'm saying? Then after that, props to him for knocking out Murano, even though he looked like. I don't want to say he looked like dog shit, but he looked terrible against Morano until... Until he, he landed the punch. And I do like that quality in a fighter to, you know, find a way to win. And props to Nico for doing that. But, man, he really looked bad in that fight. He looked stiff. He looked unathletic. Slow. He looked... He couldn't find his timing. He looked green, man. He just... He's not on Juban's level. And, and Juban, we're talking about a guy that can outpoint Bilal Muhammad. Bilal Muhammad's an expert at outpointing guys. So you outpoint Bilal and then Mike Perry? I'm like, damn, you don't one does not simply <laughs> get into a fist fight for fifteen minutes with Mike Perry and not get and knocked school out. Him. And school him. And when he got rocked, he uh handled himself accordingly, you know. So it's about not getting caught here. Honestly, man, I was considering playing Juban straight. It's just it is in Mexico and you know, the way he gassed out against Bilal, even though he broke his hand allegedly and that that's you know kinda what happened there. It's one of those things where I feel like Juban's going to be on cruise control, but it could all fall apart at a second's notice, you know, at, at the drop of a hat, man. He does the chicken dance a lot. But, man, when he's disciplined and on his game plan, I think he picks apart Nico from range all day, baby. He might even get a finish here. I think, you know, I'm going to say it. I'm going to say he drops Nico and knocks him out. And so not only is he going to give Nico his first L, he's going to give him his first finish L. So I got Alan Juban for the win. Co-main event of the evening. Now, once again, man, I thought this should have been a pick but look, we got, I understand, we got the the hometown hero, Alexa Grasso, she's minus 160, the comeback on Random Marcos is plus 140. Now, I cashed a plus 240 on Random Marcos against Carlos Barza, but this is a completely different matchup and in a different country. Yeah, it's a close fight. I think it should be, you know, close to a pick Very disappointed with Grasso in her last fight against Herrig. I mean, she sat back for two rounds and didn't pull that trigger, and she lost the decision. And Randa Marcos, tough chick, you know, but middle of the pack strawweight, even though she is coming off a win against Esparza, a close decision, which could have went either way. It was a solid, uh, solid win the way how she, uh, when Carla would take her down, you know, she would you know, beat her up from the bottom and, you know, get into these little scrambles. But uh, as far as the fight goes, I think it's going to be a split decision type of fight. I think they're both going to, you know, either stare at each other or they're going to get into a back and forth uh, striking match. But I think Grasso does have the cleaner striking. And I think 
I feel like Grasso, this might be a must-win fight for her because considering the hype she had coming over from Invicta, you know, she loses to Herrig as a minus, like, 500 favorite. And then, man, if she drops this, man, the Bud Light sponsorship might be going away. So, <laughs> <laughs> so you know, um, this might be a must-win fight for her. So I think we're going to see the best out in her. And, you know, Randa Marcos, we're talking about a – you know, she did beat Tisha Torres on Tough, but, you know, she lost to Jessica Penne. You know, she uh, she lost to Courtney Casey by armbar. She lost to Carolina, which Rose. Rose. So, I mean, she's a she's a 500 fighter, you know what I'm saying? So, I think uh, Grasso gets it done here at close 29-28 decision. And, you know, an interesting fact, you know, I did some research uh, this past week, and, um, you know, I went through every female fight since uh, UFC 203, and... 78% of all chick fights hit the third round. So, you know, the, uh, those guys looking to play that over. The stats are on your side, but I'd still be very careful. Don't play it if it's minus, you know, 350-something or what is it right now? Yeah, don't play it at minus 335. But in certain cases like uh, Cynthia Calvillo and Joanne Calderwood, I think the line was like minus 147. And Tanya Evinger uh, this past weekend – the over over one and a half was like what plus three hundred. So, you know, but the the stats are on your side if you, you know you know you choose to uh, play that over. But you know I'd pass. But the pick is Grasso, and uh, close decision. I'm gonna pick Grasso as well, and there's a very good reason for it. Minus you know this fight being in Mexico, and the reason why is because on the feet, Random Marcos she really only uses that right jab. And, and, and I'm a fan of the jab, man. Don't get me wrong, but I'm a fan of you know using a jab to set up other strikes with her. It's more of a defensive jab, and I feel like off of that jab, that's when Grasso's going to be able to come in there with punches and bunches, throw you know a bunch of combos, and you know kind of overwhelm Randa a little bit because I feel like Grasso was a little gun shy because of the takedown threat against Herrick. I don't feel like, even though Marco's an Iraqi wrestler, don't get me, don't get it twisted. I just she it hasn't, you know, it hasn't really been on full display inside the octagon. It's more of a on-paper kind of thing. I, I don't think Alexa is going to be as worried about it as she was. You know, because like, and this is funny because Randa did tap out Felice Herrick. It's funny how on tough it's so much different than how it's actually been in the UFC because on tough she finishes Herrick, she beats Tisha Torres, but in the UFC she's getting finished by Courtney Casey. And so, man, I, you know, it's total inconsistency. That being said, I do believe when Randa throws that jab out there, that's when uh, – Alexa's going to counter with punches and bunches, and the crowd's going to be going crazy every time she lands a shot. I think she's going to win a decision here. Even if it gets close, I still see Alexa getting the decision. So that's probably why the line is where it is. It could be a little closer. I don't I don't hate the shot on Marcos, but, you know, why awesome. why, why am I going to pick against uh, Grasso in Mexico when, you know, they want her to win? So I'm going to pass. The main event of the evening. You ready, bro? Brandon Moreno, oh, we, we got blessed here. He's minus 170. Nice. And the comeback on Sergio Pettis, the phenom. He's plus 150, man. Now, a lot of people, you know, they're not as high on Sergio as we are because, you know, Sergio, he's a 125er and uh, a 145er named Bruce Leroy beat him. And uh, Benoit caught him too. So people aren't high on him. You know, Sergio's come a long way, you know, from getting his ass up by Matt Hobart in that first round. <laughs> He's come a long way. And not to mention, he came back and beat the living shit out of Hobart the last two rounds. And props to that fight, because that was actually a very good fight. They got fight of the night for that fight. And uh, after that fight, man, I've been high on Sergio ever since, man. You know, I bet him against uh, Kaleidis, uh 
Cariazzo and um, you know, I would have bet on Moraga. And uh, I would have bet on him against Sahuda plus three fifteen. That would have been easy money. Yeah, it would have been easy money. Like we were about to piece up Sahuda and get this nice little uh, twenty nine twenty eight on two cards and a thirty twenty seven. But as far as this fight goes, you know, props to Moreno, man. You know, coming in there, putting an end to Lewis Smoka's, uh, exposing Lewis Smoka. Props to him for doing that. And then, you know, he goes in there against Benoit, a very close decision. Even though I thought Moreno won, I did see some holes in there. You know, I feel like Sergio has the better style to go five rounds. Even though Moreno is from Mexico, I feel like Serge is the more efficient fighter. He won't uh, gas himself out, land, trying to throw big power shots. And in terms of Moreno's power in his hands, you know, he does have power, but... I don't think it's enough to put Sergio down, and that's the only way I see Sergio losing this fight. I think Sergio can stuff his takedowns. Only thing I don't like about Sergio's grappling is he has the tendency to occasionally jump guillotines. I've seen him go for it like at least three or four times. I don't know why he does it, but that's just his thing. He likes to jump guillotine and not get him. I don't know why. So hopefully he doesn't do it in a crucial, mo crucial parts of the fight. But on the feet, man... I see Moreno, you know, trying to load up on big power shots, trying to get Sergio out of there because I feel like this is the only way he's going to win. If they try to go point for point, I think Sergio picks him apart all day. And I honestly think Sergio is the better fighter. Like I said, we're more efficient. We got the better style for five rounds. And just the diversity of the strikes, man, the jab, the straight right, the high kick, the low, the knee, the elbow, the heel. I mean, I just think we have more weapons and I don't think he can take us down. I just think the line is completely off. I mean, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe Moreno is the real deal. Maybe he is the king of Mexico. But I think Serge is about to piece him up, man, in a five-round decision. And uh, it might get hairy. We might we might wobble at some point. I, we probably will wobble at some point. But I think we're going to keep our composure. Like, you know, against Ryan Benoit, props to Benoit. Benoit is arguably, he's right up there with, like, Sandoval and some of these other guys in terms of just power punching at 125. And you know we got caught, but before that, man, we look like a we look like a future world champion. And man, I think Sergio has the potential after this fight to be in that fight with DJ and possibly beat him, man. So, you know, I, I got Sergio by a close uh, forty nine, forty six on two cards and a forty eight, forty seven. But I think we will drop Moreno. I think we get the better of the exchanges, and uh, I think we neutral uh, neutralize his grappling. I don't think he can take us down, and I think we can take him down. You want to debunk this myth that Moreno was beating up Pantoja? Um, I don't know. Like, Benavidez, I don't know what the fuck he was watching. I mean, from the bell, from the opening bell, Pantoja was lighting him the fuck up. Pantoja has a different style, obviously. Pantoja came straight at him and was willing to brawl, which he is known for. But, I mean, at one point when the fight got stopped because uh, Moreno's mouthpiece came out, I want y'all to go back and look at that boy's face. I mean, that boy was out on his feet when his mouthpiece came out. The ref even had to ask him if he was okay. I mean, Pantoja was putting it on him. Like, he felt everything Pantoja landed. And Pantoja was completely fine when Moreno landed his his strike. So, yeah, he might look a little clean when he's landing him, but he got lit up. So I don't know what the hell those guys were talking about. And props to my boy Pantoja for... Uh, you know, finishing Neil Siri in his uh, retirement fight. And look out for big things from Pantoja. But Sergio is going to get this done here, man. 
Every fighter has to pay his dues. Props to Moreno. You know, he goes out there, beats Smolka, and gets two more wins after that. The win over Ortiz was beautiful. He lands that high kick, even though it was close up until that point. And, you know, he took his back and choked him out. But every fighter has got to pay his dues, like we saw last week, like we saw the week before. And it's time for Mr. Moreno to pay his dues because we've paid our dues. We took our elder Caceres. We got knocked out on national TV while we were kicking the guys out. It's a. Uh, it reminds me of uh, what Cub Swanson said about the Duho Choi fight. You know, he was like, uh, Duho had called him out because you know Duho was probably thinking he ain't got it no more. I'm old. Same thing with Lamas and Knight. Lamas said the same thing. Knight's probably thinking I'm old. I ain't got it no more. And those guys got yeah, taught a lesson. Yeah, Aaron Frankie. You know, same thing. And um, and uh, Cub Swanson had said, uh, you know, this kid, he hasn't paid his dues yet. I got, Cub Swanson said, I got knocked out on national TV against Jose Aldo. I've gotten my ass kicked several times on national TV, and it was time to get your ass kicked on national TV. So every fighter has to get their ass kicked on national TV. And, you know, Moreno did, it did happen on Tough, but now, I mean, in the UFC, in a real, you know, documented fight. So it's his time, and uh, he's going to get his ass kicked. You know, it was a bummer when we weren't able to cash that, you know, Sergio Pettis against Cejudo, you know, plus 315. But, you know, Cejudo, he pulled out of the fight on fight week, which he is known for. He pulls out on fight week a lot. You know, this isn't the first time. I mean, you remember when he was supposed to fight Scott Jorgensen in his UFC debut and he didn't show up. You remember in Legacy. Dude, in Legacy, he pulled that bullshit. And, you know, I hope Wilson Hayes is training really hard at Alliance, man. I hope Wilson Hayes goes out there and uh, makes Cejudo pay. I hope Wilson wins a split, a controversial split. uh, A controversial split decision like uh, Benavidez. And Benavidez won that fight. Go back and rewatch it. And uh, I hope Wilson uh, teaches Mr. Cejudo a lesson. Dude, it pissed me off because, you know, Cejudo's known for this kind of bullshit. You know, he blames it on a broken hand. (laughs) And then a, a week later... He accepts a fight with uh with Hayes because you know he feels yeah, like he, he can, can beat, beat Hayes. Hayes, and it's like that's I'm like <laughs> even though it's a bad matchup for Hayes, I hope Hayes goes out yeah, there and I takes care of Biz, so. man. But anyways, as far as this matchup's concerned, Brandon Moreno, oh my God, this kid's come out here and he's just been uh, lighting the world on fire, and he's been making me money too, man. Because in that UFC debut, listen to this shit. So. Lewis Smolka was on a roll at that point, right? And Lewis Smolka was like minus 400 in that fight. So obviously I wasn't going to play Lewis Smolka straight. So what I did was I was like, well, Lewis is going to choke him out in the first round. So I'm going to play the under one and a half at plus money. Now the under one and a half at plus money cashed, but it didn't cash how I thought it would. It cashed with Moreno finishing Smolka. And I was like, oh shit. And I've never seen a grip like that guillotine before, man. That was one of the nastiest guillotines I've ever seen in my life. And he goes out there with Benoit. They have a very close fight, which when you fight Benoit, it's going to be a very close fight, you know, unless Benoit unless catches ben you. Unless you're Ben 10. <laughs> ben 10 is ridiculous <laughs> with it, man. You know what I'm saying? But, uh, you know, Benoit's known for going to those splits, and that's what Moreno did. And then Moreno goes out there against Ortiz. You know, he gets grinded in the first round, but he keeps his composure, lands a beautiful lead high kick, takes his back and chokes him out. Now he's got this main event slot against Sergio. And uh, Sergio is a fucking surgeon out there bro like his fight with uh well go ahead you want not to mention he is a national point fighting champion in taekwondo yeah he's a straight surgeon man i mean let's start with his fight with benoit that's because i think that's where we first started to really see how good sergio is i know he got caught in that fight but as duke rufus said it's part of the the process man but if you go watch that fight i saw a future world champion in that fight man you know he got caught on you know the exact exchange where Carlos Condit caught Dan Hardy. You know, when you're when you're trading that big right hand to that left hook, 
Somebody goes down. Whoever <laughs> lands first, you know what I'm saying? It was that exact that exact situation. Just watch Dan Hardy versus Carlos Condit, and then watch uh, Benoit versus Serge. Exact same knockout. When you go through that overhand right to left hook combo, whoever lands that left hook first wins by knockout. But that was part of the process. You know, he was just a kid. He's learned from it since that point, man. Oh my God, he's been making these dudes look terrible. And I know that you know Chris Carriasso and Chris Kalaitis aren't necessarily the highest level of competition. But the way he handled them, <laughs> the way he didn't get hit at all, and you know he's he's darting in and out of the pocket, and he looks like such a an incredible point fighter out there. He's so poised, and I was just like, God damn, man, he might he might actually be better than his brother. You know, it's funny because back when um, speaking of Dustin Ortiz, back when he was Team Rufus Sport, and he actually fought John Moraga in Atlanta. So the weigh-ins happened. You know, we went to the weigh-ins, and you know. I was actually sitting next to Daniel Wanderlei, who's the jiu-jitsu coach of Sergio Pettis. This was this was back in like 2011 or something. Yeah. And I was talking to Daniel Wanderlei, and you know, at the time he's he this was back in 2011. He's like Sergio's going to be better than Anthony, man. Like he straight looked me in the eye and told me that. And you know, at the time, I'm, you know, I think Anthony was on the Wheaties box back then. I'm like, yo, I'm like, okay, Daniel. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But uh, now I see it, man. I see a. Uh, I do see a future world champion, man, and that fight with Moraga, I know that Moraga hasn't been the most impressive, but usually when dudes beat him, you know, for example, with Joe B, it'd be real even on the feet, then Joe B would steal the round with a takedown, you know, he'd beat him like that. With, with uh, DJ, you know, he'd win by taking him down. With uh, with Surge, I mean, I've never seen someone have Moraga wobbling all over the place. I've never seen someone cut Moraga open in half in front of his kids in Arizona on Fox like Sergio did. Sergio, I mean, he's. I think he's going to perform surgery on Brandon Moreno. I think that Brandon's going to come out here trying to wing big bombs, and uh, I think that straight punches land before hooks all day. And Southpaw Sergio. You know, <laughs> I'm glad you bring that up because I've seen Sergio fight entire fights. Southpaw, I've seen him fight entire fights. Southpaw Orthodox Sergio. too. I love Southpaw Sergio though. Like prime Southpaw Anthony, I think. Uh, Southpaw Sergio is better, man. He's ten times better. The reason why is because he's got hands. Yeah. Uh, Anthony was never known for kicks, his hands. Yeah. Anthony is known for his kicks. Sergio's got the whole package. Sergio can even get offensive takedowns, man. Yeah, Sergio is a lot better than Anthony. I know that sounds crazy to people <laughs> because Anthony won the belt, but you know that if Sergio wins this fight, he'll have as many UFC wins as Anthony? Wow. A <laughs> <laughs> little, little uh, MMA trivia for you there. They'll both have seven wins in the UFC if he wins this fight. I don't think he should be plus 150 here. I think he's being disrespected. I put two units at plus 140. The only reason I did two units was because, you know, sometimes with these lines, I've been wrong on where I think the public's going to take it. And I, I I put two units on reserve because it was like plus 140 is a good enough line for me to play it now. But let's see if it gets a little better. I can put a little more. And it did get a little better, so I will put a little bit more. I'm, I'm thinking I'm going to go three units total, two units at plus 140, one unit at plus 150. And... Um, like I said, I think Sergio's about to perform surgery here on uh, Brandon Moreno. I think Moreno's going to miss on his big – he's going to whiff on those big hooks. I don't think he's going to sniff a takedown, man, because he ain't known for sniffing takedowns. He's known for when you take him down, he'll catch you with something. I don't think that, you know, that Serge is going to shoot a head outside single like Lewis Smolka did, you know, because Lewis does that every single fight, and he gets away with it. Lewis is known for getting himself in bad positions and scrambling his way out of it. Moreno made him pay for that. Serge isn't known for that. Serge's only downfall is that sometimes he keeps his chin straight up in the air and he'll get cracked hard, but it's been, you know, a long time since then. And I really like the fact that he's fighting Southpaw nowadays. You know, when he fought Benoit, he was orthodox. Now, 
he's a different animal in the southpaw. So I'm curious to see how he comes out in this fight. But regardless, I've said it a hundred times, and I'll say it one more time for good measure. He's going to perform surgery on Brandon Moreno. So I, right now I got two units on Sergio Pettis. I'm going to put one more. It's going to be three units. And uh, I want to get back on fucking track, man. I want this win really badly. Yeah, you know, I also I got 2.7. You know, I was a little impatient because I was very confident. I bet one unit maybe like three, four weeks ago at plus 110 when the line first opened just because I was like, you're giving me Sergio at dog money? You're giving me a guy who's more efficient in five rounds, in my opinion, at plus money? You know, so I took the one unit shot then, and then, you know, I added another 1.7 at plus 120 because I was just like, it's too good to be true. And now it's plus 150, you know, so I... I feel like a little idiot, you know what I'm saying? But it was good enough for me. So, uh, like you said, we need to get back on track, man, and uh, we will. We will. And, you know, Sergio also addressed uh, the altitude. He went there a couple weeks in advance. and So I'm not worried about him gassing out or nothing like that. I know Brandon's from there. But, look, Brandon gassed out hard in that Pantoja fight in the first round, man. You can say it's inexperience. You can say it's the pressure of Pantoja, whatever it is. It was only three fights ago, you know what I'm saying? And I know, you know someone could be like, well, the Benoit fight was only three fights ago for Surge. Yeah, but that was back in fucking, that was back when RDA fought Pettis, man. The Pantoja fight was like last year. You know what I'm saying? So it hasn't been that long, man. But that being said, Surge has a different style than Pantoja. I think he's going to pick apart Brandon Moreno. So, yeah, let's let's get it, man. Let's fucking get this win. You know, it's funny because this time last year, I also had a skid uh, around July, August. That's when I had my skid last year, and then I went on a huge win streak. So, you know, history repeats itself. I have a little skid here, you know, in July. And now August, I'm about to turn things around, which I am known for. Now, uh, let's hit up Kyle Marley for the Big Marley Minute. And joining us now on the Big Marley Minute is Big Marley himself. Kyle Marley, how's it going? Great, man. Yourself? It's going well. I got to ask you, man. I know you went all in on T-Wood last week. Did he uh, kind of let you down by not finishing that fight? Yeah, I, had, I definitely had too much T-Wood. He only got 68 and a half points, uh, but he was pretty owned as well. I was definitely a lot higher on John Jones, uh, so that helped. However, I had just too much Berkman in my lineups, and he killed me with his five and a half points. So <laughs> well, I learned from that big dog right there on that one. How did uh, the greatest of all time, Johnny Bones Jones, do? 102 and a half points. Not too bad at all, right? Which he is known for. He scores a lot. Yep, and he's the best fighter on the planet. That's right, he is. And he's been the best fighter on the planet. Finally, he's back in uh, the number one pound-for-pound spot where he rightfully belongs and where he hasn't been for about two years. But now he's back. and Man, it was nice seeing him with that gold belt around his waist Saturday night. I agree, man. It was good to see. Uh, a little sad afterwards with the whole DC crying face, but uh, I'm glad John Jones is back because we missed his talents for too long. I mean, what's more sad is, you know, everyone, I mean, at the same time, you can't be sensitive. It is the fight game, but, you know, people are kind of, the way that they, the way they were making fun of DC wasn't that cool because you see DC put his heart out there. This meant so much to him. I can understand why he was crying. That was the biggest athletic endeavor of his life. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. It was definitely, uh, it went from me being real happy to DC making me kind of sad. But uh, overall, it was a good card, and uh, I'm just glad John Jones has that belt around his waist again. Hopefully that million-dollar payday uh, helps DC, you know, with the, with the wounds of losing that fight. <laughs> I'm sure it does, just a little bit. So, man, 
On this card, dude, listen to this. So Alan Juban, I was actually thinking he was going to be around minus 300. They only got him minus 155 in terms of the odds. I think it's because, you know, Gunny did make him do a little chicken dance last fight. But this kid, Nico Price, you know, he has been winning his fights inside the distance. But this is a huge step up in competition. And with Juban, we're talking about a guy that gave Bilal Muhammad his first loss. He gave Mike Perry his first loss. In my opinion, and I could be wrong, Kyle, I think he's going to give Nico Price his first loss. What What are the prices for this one, and what's your opinion on the matchup? All right, DK, we got Juban is eighty seven hundred, and Price is seventy five hundred. Um, I yeah, and I like Juban. Yeah, I think he's going to win this fight. I think him coming off a loss and Price coming off the wins helps us odds wise. But really, there's not any uh, DK value with the line over here. However, I do think he could pay off that price at 8700 I think he can get a finish. And even if he doesn't, he usually puts up pretty high points and wins. So I like Jaban in any format, and he'll probably be on quite a few of my things. And Jack Hermanson, his last fight, he went out there against Alex Nicholson. He was only minus 140, and he... he he basically performed like he was a minus 540, man. He absolutely destroyed him. And I think this is a showcase fight here against Brad Scott as well. Are we looking at putting uh, Jack Hermanson in there? Yeah, uh, I like Hermanson a lot. I have uh, him and Juban in a parlay, actually. So it's probably my two favorite plays on the card. Um, but I like him a lot more in cash just because I'm not exactly sure how much he will score. I don't know if he'll pay off that $9,100 salary. On DraftKings and the GPPs, where Damn. you pretty much have to have the best lineup. So I'd rather have him in cash, where I'm pretty sure he's going to get the win. But I don't know how high his ceiling is. Ninety-one hundred. Yeah, pretty expensive, but could pay it off. Hermanson ain't cheap. No, he shouldn't be either. He's gonna <laughs> win. So man. You know, this kid, Hector Sandoval, he's kind of been all over the place. You know, he gets choked out in the first round in his debut. He goes the full three-round distance in his sophomore appearance. But then in his last fight, he got a first-round knockout. And he's taking on the always tough, the vet, Dustin Ortiz. And I'm thinking if Sandoval can do uh, what he's been doing lately, he might go out there and get a big upset. Do you have an opinion on this one? Uh, Yeah, I mean, you got to find some dogs somewhere and it. If you like him, you got to put him on your team. However, I'm kind of liking Ortiz, but I don't know if it's just because I'm so into DraftKings that I like Ortiz because he goes for so many takedowns. Um, so that maybe that's why I'm leaning towards him. But I'm kind of just hoping he goes out there and gets four or five takedowns like he usually does, and then rack up racks up the points along the way. So I would rather lean towards Ortiz, but like I said, you do got to find the dog somewhere. So Sandoval isn't the worst pick. Well, I did find a dog somewhere, and that's actually in the main event. I'm curious your perspective on this one. I was kind of surprised that Sergio Pettis was plus 150, but at the same time, the hype and the performances that Brandon Moreno's been putting on, it makes sense why he is favored. All that said, I think it's a bad matchup for Moreno. I actually see Sergio being surgical out there. The thing is, man, Sergio doesn't really finish too many fights, and Brandon does. So from a DraftKings perspective, I could understand why you would put Moreno. But from a betting perspective, I got Sergio. But can you give me a, a little insight to what the DK expert thinks on this one? Uh, yeah, I'm going to have – I actually like the stack in cash. I don't mind having both these guys in your team. Um, and then on GPPs, I'm going to have both on different teams. Just because I do like Pettis to actually win this fight as well. Um, 
I've been going back and forth the last few days, though, just because five rounds at altitude. I'm not sure if that's going to favor him or not. Um, I feel like that would favor Moreno more, which I think is why he is the favorite. But Pettis at these dog odds, I like that a lot, too. So if I had to, if I was making one lineup, I think I would lean towards Pettis being in it. But I'm going to have a lot of both these guys, and I do not hate stacking them in cash. And before I let you go, man, there's these two fights. One of them is Alejandro Perez versus Andre Sukumtut, and the other one is Jose Canones versus Diego Rivas. I see both of those fights just being, you know, total, you know, Latino American brawls, you know, where the guys just go out there, they stand and bang till one guy falls, they show their heart on their sleeves. Are we looking to put any of these four fighters in our lineups because we know that they're going to go out there and swing? Yeah, I like uh, Quinones quite a bit. Um, on the betting line, he is right now minus 230, but on DraftKings, he's only $200 more than his opponent. So there's quite a bit of value there. Uh, and he scores high when he wins. He goes out there, gets the takedown, throws a lot of significant strikes. So I don't mind him in any format. Um, but that other one, I, I can't even choose a winner yet. Um, I'm going back and forth with Perez and Sukumtau, but I'm, ex- I'm more excited to watch that fight than I am to play in DraftKings. I might be fading that one just because I'm not sure how much they'll score. It might be like a 65-point win for one of them. Uh, with a 29-28 decision. So I might avoid that one, but I like Quinones quite a bit. In the curtain jerker, we got Jordan Rinaldi. He's minus 235. I'm sure he's probably a little bit expensive on DK as well, but I'll tell you what. I've seen this kid on the regional scene. He's fought here in Atlanta many times. The way he takes his opponent's backs is absolutely nasty. I can see him putting on a takedown clinic against Alvaro Herrera and scoring a bunch of points with all those takedowns. The question is, is he going to be super expensive? Yeah, he is he is expensive. He's nine thousand, so he's a hundred less than Hermanson. Um, but yeah, like you like you said, I could see it being a takedown clinic as well, and that's what you want in DraftKings. So I think he's a good play as well. If you could squeeze them both onto your team, uh, that'd be great. You just got to go down and have more dogs. So I don't know which one I would rather have at this point, going with uh, Ronaldo or Hermanson. But I don't think you can really go wrong with either. So. Both are good plays. Um, right now, I'd be learning, leaning towards Hermanson more just because I think he's more of a lock to win it. Yeah, he's definitely more proven, and, you know, Rinaldi is coming off a big layoff, so that's definitely true. Now, Kyle, a- anything I'm missing, man? Something uh, slipping off the page, flying under the radar? Uh, not really. Um, I would say, which one was it? Oh, yeah, the Yaya fight. Uh, Yaya versus Briones. I'm not sure who I'm going to pick yet, but I do think this should be in the GPP team. I think either Brionis is going to catch him with a knockout, which is a lot of points, or Yaya is going to get him down a lot and maybe get that submission. So I think the winner of this could be on the winning GPP team. So you might want to look for it and pick one of the guys. So uh, I'll be getting one of them. And then a fight I'm kind of looking forward to watching, but not playing in DraftKings, Alvy and Evans. That's probably the fight to fade. Because uh, you can just see these guys looking at each other for 15 minutes, not throwing any strikes. <laughs> so uh, that's probably the fight to fade. But uh, yeah, yeah, Baronis, I think you should get that into lineups. Now, Kyle, breaking news. I did not win the $20 Mayweather-McGregor DraftKings contest. <laughs> I did not either, man. I, I blew 20 <laughs> entries on it, and I didn't win it either. Oh, man, 20 entries? How, how far uh, did you get? What was the best one? <laughs> I won $15 of my 400 back. 
Oh, man. So it's a good thing I had a good week in cash because I pretty much made up for it. Yes, yes, sir, it did. Well, Kyle, man, I appreciate you taking the time as always. Uh, I feel like we're always getting some valuable insight. You know, that DK game is slowly but surely stepping up. I mean, this is uh, one of those games where kind of like gambling. It takes time, man. Even if I got an expert like you on the show, I still got to put in the work myself and uh, just try to get better. And that's what we're doing here. So I appreciate it, man. They can follow you at Big Marley 3. Anything else you want to tell the fans? That's it, man. Good luck this weekend. Thanks, brother. And, man, there's not another UFC card for, I think, a month or so. So, uh, shit, man. This is the last time we're going to speak for a little bit. Well, it sounds good. Uh, I'll have to enjoy the break and get a lot of studying in for that next one. Yes, sir. We will miss you, Kyle. All right. Back at you, buddy. All right, brother. Peace out. Oh, man. I'm glad we spoke to Big Marley, bro, because... I was having trouble making a DraftKings lineup, especially in Mexico City, man. You don't know who's going to get the finish in a place like that. Yeah, and that's why uh, Kyle's a three-time world champion. He knows his shit, and uh, he gives good advice. Yes, he does. Well, now we got to talk about the fight to watch and the fighter to watch. So, Shaq, what is the fight to watch for UFC Mexico? The fight to watch is going to be Jose Quinones versus Diego Rivas. I think it's going to be that typical Latin American brawl. Both guys bloodied up. Both guys dropped. And uh, we're, see- we're going to see who the uh, winner is. You know, I did say I think the line was off. I just think it's going to be an entertaining fight. And Jose, we know what type of guy he is. And, you know, I think he's going to bring the best out in Rivas. Bring out that, uh, where's Rivas from? Just bring in that Latin American spirit, and uh, those guys are going to uh, trade until one guy falls. Man, that is going to be one hell of a matchup for me. I got to go with Juban versus Price. I mean, this kid, Price, he goes out there, he gets a first-round submission, he gets a second-round knockout. Now he gets a step-up in competition against Alan Juban, who's always in exciting fights. And Alan has sent back some serious prospects, such as Bilal Muhammad and Mike Perry. He sent them from the ranks of the undefeated, so... Man, this is going to be one hell of a fight, and that is my fight to watch, man. Now, Shaq, who is your fighter to watch for UFC Mexico? My fighter to watch is Sergio Pettis, man. And not only not just because I have a bet on him, of course, but just because if he wins this fight, you could arguably say he's next in line after Ray Borg, the winner of Ray Borg and uh, DJ. I'm not counting Ray Borg out of that fight, by the way. And, uh, you know, you could say he's right there. So I want Sergio to get this win. I want him to go into Moreno's hometown and pick up this decision win and uh, or a finish and uh, move on to bigger and better things. I'm going to go with Jack the Joker Hermanson. Look, in my opinion, he has a showcase fight here. He's 2-1 and one in the UFC, and I think if he goes out here and not just get a win over Brad Scott, but get a finish over Brad Scott, we can be looking at Jack Hermanson as a top 15 guy because, look, if he goes out here and drops the ball... He's a 500 fighter in the UFC, but he goes out there and gets this win. He's going to be 3-1. and one. He's going to put himself in a position to take on a top 15 guy. So I think if uh, Hermanson does what he's supposed to do here, he can be your fighter to watch. Well, Shaq, we did it, man. UFC Mexico is going down this Saturday night. And, man, it's going to be a good one. It's always fun when the fights are in Mexico. You know the crowd loves that. So George Masvidal and Ben Askren are going at it on Twitter. <laughs> and, I mean, you know, I hope Dana, you know, just brings this guy Ashkin in for at least one fight, man. The guy talks so much, and, you know, he's beating guys who are 20 years old with seven fights and, you know, in, uh, what's this shit called, 1FC? One, one I mean, like, and, you know, 
What's he done? I know he beat Douglas Lima. I know he beat Korshkov back when Korshkov was like 21, and Douglas used to rock the Mohawk back then. So, but if he came back to Bellator, man, times I have think, changed. I think it'd be a severe, a severe ass whooping. And I'm talking against Douglas, Rory, Lorenz, Andre, Chidi, and Jaquani. I think all those guys would beat him. Uh, not Paul Daly, but. You know, <laughs> I just want to see him back in some some big show, man. I'm tired of him talking. I want to see him uh, come put that funky funky style wrestling in the UFC, man. So let him know uh, what's up. Oh uh, yeah, um, follow me at uh, MMA Genius 05. Uh, follow uh, TSM underscore bets on Instagram, and um, we get we need to get back on track for this week. I took a, a severe loss last week, man. It, Dan was here. He saw my reaction. It was like a knife in the ribs, man. I I couldn't believe it. I was completely mortified. But uh, we're going to get back on track here with Sergio. Sergio's going to do the thing. And uh, expect uh, 50 Gs in uh, Sergio's pocket. Sergio's going to do what Hinata should have done. He's going he's gonna to fucking <laughs> pick him apart, but he's not going to dive head first <laughs> into a guillotine. I'll tell you that right now. Please, Sergio. <laughs> you can follow me on Twitter at Best Fight Picks. You can go to bestfightpicks.com for my plays. Right now, I have two units on Sergio Pettis. I'm looking to put three on it total. And then I'm also looking to do two units on Hector Sandoval. But I haven't done that yet. So just follow me, and I'll let you know when I do. Best Fight Picks, bestfightpicks.com. Subscribe to Half the Battle on iTunes, SoundCloud, YouTube, and Stitcher. And, uh, man... This is the last UFC for a while. You know, they're going to give us a month off after this. So I'm, I'm looking to get my arm raised. I'll tell you that right <laughs> now, Shaq. So until the next time, let's cash these bets.